Mindfulness Mode, 257. Instead of getting in the lotus pose and do meditation, um, I'm going to try something different and, and do like 30 to 40 minute hypnosis every morning before I start my day, every morning, Monday through Friday. Hey, you're in the right place to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness right here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. I want to thank you for joining us here today, whether you're brand new to the show, whether you've been listening for episode after episode, it's always great to have you here. I appreciate you and I appreciate your notes that you send me and your your ideas and suggestions. You can send them to bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. Thanks for that. Last time, my guest was a dynamic, vibrant healthcare professional who's passionate about helping teenagers because she was a teen who needed a safety net. She needed help. Well, now she's the author of teen self-help books, and she's also a grounded and mindful person. Check out Jackie Latran on mindfulnessmode.com slash 255. I want to share with you today a little story about someone I met in Newfoundland. I've been telling a little bit about my travels to Newfoundland and some of the amazing people. I mean, well, I haven't even mentioned the scenery and the experience of seeing the ocean and and the, the rocks and the beauty. I mean, it's just everywhere. Absolute breathtaking beauty. But one of the things I love so much, as you can tell from my other other stories, is I love the people. And someone said, well, you should... Well, it wasn't just someone. It was our friend here from Ontario. Uh, she said, well, my brother lives in Newfoundland and you know here's his number when you get to St. Anthony why don't you why don't you call him up and so we did called him up and he oh man he was so incredibly friendly and and just wanted to get together and off we went to a to a Tim Hortons and we sat and we chatted and and he was just so much fun to talk with he's always lived in Newfoundland but he's moved around a lot because his wife was a teacher just having been retired but she would be three or four years at a school and then she'd be relocated to another school and she moved around to different towns and villages and he said no matter where they moved the people were always great and he always made so many friends just like he has in this town and and I mean just sitting and chatting with him for 45 minutes I think he probably said hi to about you know a dozen or more people who you know it's just that kind of community where he he knows so many people and and just feels so close to his friends in the community and it's you could just tell how tight-knit it is and how how much he valued the community and he he had so much passion talking about his love for living there and his love for the snow in the winter and and he pulled out his camera and sh- or his phone and showed pictures of you know seven eight nine feet of snow and he was so excited to show us the pictures and how much f- 
fun he has in the, in the winter because they have a cabin and they get on their snowmobiles and off they go for the weekend, he and his wife, and they go to the cabin and it's just the most fun ever. He has a road that he clears the snow on with a front end loader and, and it's several miles long on the way to Goose Bay and he had to take us there and show us the road and tell us how every time he... He clears out the snow. Someone would come out of their house and say, come on in for a bowl of soup or let me cook you a meal. Come on in, have a drink, whatever. You know, he told us all about this. And I mean, my heart just feels warm telling you about the incredible passion he had about everything he talked about, about all the aspects of living there in Newfoundland. And it was just wonderful to experience. And it's, it's kind of like today's guest is very, very passionate about traveling and meeting people. And when I talked with him, I, I tell you, we both said to each other, wow, we could just sit here and talk for hours. You know, after we finished recording, we chatted a little while longer. I had another interview coming up, so I couldn't chat too long. But wow, what a pleasure it was to talk with him. He was in Portugal when I was talking with him at you know today but he's headed to Thailand and he's a devout meditator he's so intentional about working on his digital life and making it a success but you could just tell how grounded he was just by listening to him and talking with him I think you're going to enjoy him so much sit back relax and enjoy the peaceful voice of Chris Reynolds Hey, Mindful Tribe, I have got a fascinating guest with me today, and I can't wait to talk to him, to pick his brain, to learn about what makes him tick. Today, I've got Chris Reynolds with me. Hey, Chris, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am in 100% mindfulness mode, Bruce. Thank you for asking. Oh, that's <laughs> cool. Chris Reynolds is a digital nomad, and he's the founder of the entrepreneurhouse.com, where Entrepreneurs from the world over get together to collaborate, produce, and execute their creative business initiatives. Chris is, uh, you never know exactly where he is based, but I know <laughs> coming up soon he has, uh, he has an event in Thailand where he's going to be hosting guests. And he's hosted guests actually in a number of places, including Barcelona, Spain. In the past, Chris has lived in such places as Costa Rica, Peru, England, Netherlands, and Switzerland. Chris is originally from Texas, I understand. And, no, Missouri. Oh, not Texas. Okay, well, I got that one wrong. He's originally from <laughs> Missouri. <laughs> yeah. So, Chris, I'm so looking forward to this. So, so what does mindfulness mean to you? What's it all about in your life? That's a great question. Mindfulness, um, for me, is really kind of the state of being aware. And it's definitely like a lifelong practice in a way of life. And so, um, when I know I'm in a mindfulness state, I'm aware of not only my intentions, but my surroundings of what's happening. Um, what my main intention is at that moment. Um, and also here's, what's really important cause I'm a people person. Um, mindfulness is the state of other people around you and how you are affecting those other people based on your current state. 
So that's my answer. I really like that, the state of other people, because not everybody throws that in. Not everybody mentions that. Mm -hmm. And as a people person, of course, that's vital to yeah. really be aware of how other people are perceiving you and how they're influenced by you. So I really like, like that. So when you first started traveling, Chris, and you thought, geez, I really like this kind of thing. I'm just curious how you started making income. What was one of your first methods of generating income so that you could travel? So before I had left the States, my first stop was Costa Rica. Before I left, I, um, I read the book, The 4-Hour Workweek okay. by Tim Ferriss, and mm -hmm. I just engulfed myself into that book. I ended up reading it like four or five times. I got the audio and I listened to it like 12 times. I did everything they said in the book. And my first step, Tim Ferriss has a blog, and he did a contest with like, um, I don't know, this is like 2008, 2009, but reading the number one location independent 4-Hour Workweek life um, and you and the people in the contest would get their community or their fan base to vote on them. Mm -hmm. So they, so I reached reached out to all the people that were in the contest, actually the top like ten or so. And the the guy that got number two is a guy named Manish Sethi, who is the founder of the Padlock bracelet and also Hack the System blog. Okay. okay. And he's the brother, the little brother of Ramit Sethi, who is the founder of I Will Teach You to Get Rich .com. And, um, so Manish kind of became my mentor and he introduced me to niche websites and, um, back in the day when those worked really well and putting Google AdSense up on niche websites, uh, so you can make uh, income from it. So I started that for about a year or so before I'd left the States and I started making some income on it. And then, um, the girl I was with at the time, we both bought two one-way tickets, uh, to Costa Rica. We knew we really wanted to live abroad. And we were like, we'll just figure the rest out when we get there. Continue to build online income while we're there and um, grow, uh, explore the country. When we got there, what we actually ended up doing is the niche websites were bringing in some income, but not a lot. Um, we actually became con independent contractors for a company out of Venezuela that taught English online to some um, like CEOs and professionals. Okay. And we started working with that company for a little while and moved up into ranks because it was kind of brand new. And we became kind of like um, monitors, managers uh, in the company. And it was great because we could pick our own hours. We could choose mm -hmm. how much or how little we wanted to work. We have had a lot of freedom. And then we continued to build the online source of revenue while we were living in Costa Rica and doing that. Oh, that sounds amazing. And then you discovered Costa Rica. And yeah. how much did you love the country? How much did you love living there? I loved it a lot. Um, Costa Rica is a paradise. They have the main capital, San Jose, which is a really crazy city. Um, and I recommend like getting out of San Jose as, as quickly as possible because it's it's pretty crazy. Uh, but the rest of Costa Rica is is very much a paradise. The mountains are gorgeous. Um, the beaches are the ideal, pristine. You know, palm trees, clear water. You know, amazing sand beaches. And um, it was it was it was just it felt. You know, it didn't feel strange, but it felt like the right thing to do. And it didn't feel like I felt like I was at home for sure, um, even though I was, you know, the first time long term abroad. Um, but it was it was just so different, but it felt so natural and right for me. 
uh, we would wake up and we'd have monkeys swinging into trees in our yard. Um, we would have, uh, you know, these big giant lizards and, and geckos running through the, the yard. We could walk five minutes to the beach, um, and see, you know, just go surfing. And so it was a paradise. It was a smaller town on the Pacific side of Costa Rica. And it was just a really nice chill life. And what's Thailand like compared to Costa Rica? Um, they're very similar in a, I'd say, veg- vegetation. Um, if you're speaking about vegetation, it's like there's mountains both in Thailand and Costa Rica, beautiful beaches, um, exo- you know, exotic, kind of like Caribbean type of um, vegetation. The biggest difference is obviously the culture, you know, um, Latin American, Costa Rican culture um, is you know, they like salsa, they like, uh, rice and beans and, and patatas, you know, potatoes. And then in Thailand, of course you have Thai people that are in Asian culture, Asian street food, Thai street food, which is amazing. Um, you know, you have, you can go to elephant refuges, you can go on amazing adventures in Thailand too. Um, so they're, they're Costa Rica is more expensive. Thailand's much cheaper. And they're both amazing countries, very tropical and beautiful and and very adventurous. So does Thailand seem to attract the most entrepreneurs? These days, yes, for sure. So Chiang Mai is in the north of Thailand, and it's kind of like a hub for digital nomads and and entrepreneurs because it's a great place. When you go to Chiang Mai, it's kind of like a university campus for um, location-independent entrepreneurs and digital nomads. And so when you're there, you really feel like this amazing vibe. You know, you could be eating lunch at some restaurant or some cafe and meet another entrepreneur. And like I, I was eating lunch one of my first times there, met a guy that was sitting across from me. He was a podcaster. And then by the end of the month, I was on his podcast. And, you know, random things like that happen. Also, you know, Thailand has the islands, which a lot of people like to go to. You can still live in Thailand on the cheap for like $500 a month. If you're spending $1,500 a month, you're living really well. You have a great lifestyle. And um, the difference is like you can't do that in Costa Rica. Costa Rica prices are very similar to like Midwestern U.S. prices. And and so it's a bit more expensive. um, But um, yeah, there's many, many more entrepreneurs in Thailand for sure. So where did you get the idea to... create the entrepreneur house and tell us about that because it just sounds so cool and amazing to me. <laughs> Thanks Bruce. So the idea came from, I, I've been slow traveling around the world for six years. The idea uh, I had lived in Costa Rica and Peru and I had moved to Spain and spent some different, different time, different, lived in different cities in Spain. And what I really learned, you know, this was about two years of travel. I, I had really longed for my tribe or my people. What I mean by that is like you have your family, which is a tribe. You have your um, people you work with or you hang out with, which is a tribe. Um, I used to live in Phoenix, Arizona also, and I had just an amazing network of um, entrepreneurial, personal growth, like-minded individuals. And I really thrived in that environment. And so when I moved to Costa Rica, we were having this amazing experience, but I actually missed that part of my life, having those people around me all the time. I had like two friends that were kind of 
like-minded. And then I moved to Peru and there was only one friend in Peru that was like-minded. And I, and it, I, I, I had this inner longing or, um, feeling of missing something. And I didn't know what it was at the time. And so I actually then moved to Spain and I hiked, um, a pilgrimage called the Camino de Santiago, which is 500 mile pilgrimage across the North part of Spain. Mm -hmm. And when I was on it, um, I really bonded with the people that were there. I met with like, like like-minded people and I realized that was the thing that I was missing was being around these people, being around people that are really just made me so happy to be around, so to speak. And so I moved to Barcelona after that. And I had a friend move in my apartment that was also an entrepreneur. And over that month period, we set goals for the whole month. We were going to work from midnight to 6 a.m., every night. We were going to um, practice a different language every day for five days a week. We were going to work out together. And so we had this, our our results like throughout that month, Bruce Bruce just skyrocketed. And um, after he left, I was like, why aren't more people doing this? Like, I can't figure that out. And so, um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to reach out to people and see if we can do uh, put a house together or co-living together where a bunch of entrepreneurs can stay and then enjoy Barcelona and have the time of their lives. So we got 12 people to come. This was early 2015. Mm-hmm. And that time period uh, for all of us was really life-changing. And uh, we had a mastermind every week in that with that group. And one of the masterminds, I put up the idea of like making this a business and over everybody overwhelmingly said, yes, do it. We need this. And so then I did another entrepreneur house event after that, the following month. And then I did another one after that, the following month and another one. And then I went to Thailand to do one. And then I went to Rio de Janeiro to do one. And I came back to Barcelona to do one. And now, um, and then back to Thailand again. And so now it's, early or 2017 and we're doing another one in Chiang Mai there pretty soon. Wow. That's exciting. So tell me, I know you do a mix of events. Sometimes you go out and you do a little tour or you do, I don't know, you tell me what kinds of things do you do besides digging in and doing your entrepreneurial work? So it's been a constant evolution. Like at first it was, uh, professional and social. So at first, you know, we would go on, go hike a mountain together, go hang out at the beach together, go play volleyball together. And, um, and then, and then we would mastermind together. We would co-work together. We would exchange ideas and consulting together and this sort of thing. And, um, that's what it's been for, um, that's more or less what it was for, 2015 and 2016. 2017, we're kind of introducing some new ideas. So we made a shorter term events like this next event's only 12 days Mm -hmm. and it is only 100% like business focused. So, um, it's the idea is like, go to a place because there's a lot of people that can't take a month off and go somewhere, go to a place, you know, have your two week vacation, go to a place, um, knock some serious work out that you need to finish before 2017 closes. And then, um, you can stay for an extra two weeks if you want. If not, you need to go home and get back to work. That's fine. 
And so like this event, day one is introductions, mastermind. Day two, we hop right into a three-day productivity workshop that's almost nonstop, like focused on work. Then day, then after that, we have a bit of a break. Then we, then we jump into another three-day productivity workshop. And, and then we have a bit, we have a break with a speaker the day after that. Then we have an exchange, skill exchange day where everybody kind of comes together and swaps uh, consults for each other. Mm-hmm. And then we have our closing events. But the idea behind this is, so we had a, a guest come to our event last year and we had these three day productivity workshops, um, one week apart from each other. We had two of them. And he said, his name's Omir Barr. He said on, on my first productivity workshop, I created a course that generated about 25,000 in revenue. And then my second productivity workshop, I created a funnel that created about 50,000 in revenue. So within those two weeks, he set something up that gave him $75,000 in revenue. And that's mind blowing that you can do something like that. So all we did, he said, all I need is those two weeks. We said, okay, Omir, so we'll make something that's just those two weeks for you and other entrepreneurs like you. So you can just knock some serious work out during that time. And what's the mix of male and female that you usually get? Is it like 50-50 or what's that like? No, I wish it could be 50-50. It's more like uh, 80-20, I would say, or 75-25. And I think that's a natural thing because entrepreneurship um, is still more male-dominated for the most part. Right. But right. I would love, love to one day have 50-50. That would be great. Right. Well, for a while, I was having a hard time finding as many women to interview for my podcast. And I thought that Mm -hmm. seems really strange because for mindfulness, you would think that a lot of women would resonate with that and and everything else. But I just found like if I just let it go naturally, you know, people I ran into, people I thought of, whatever, it seemed like there were more men that ended up on the show. So I tried to get more women, but sometimes it was really tricky to keep that balance. It is. Yeah, I agree. Same for our business, you know, um, for whatever reason, it's just, there's more men out there. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, it sounds like an amazing experience. And I mean, I, I've always thought it would be terrific to go someplace like Thailand and just hunker down and do some work. But I thought, but you know, I'm going to get there. I won't know anybody and I'm sure I'll meet people, but sometimes it takes a while, you know, Mm -hmm. you meet people and maybe that, person isn't a good fit or someone else you meet it really is but it just takes a while for those things to happen so you're you're boosting that so that it happens almost immediately you're going to be with people right away that Mm -hmm. that are sort of in the same mindset as you yeah it's a super boost really because what i've learned from from traveling if you go to a no a new place with no contacts it really takes about three months to get your social circles established. Uh-huh. And that's a long time. And it's a lot yeah. of work, really, if you play it out. It's a lot of work. So if you go to a place where you have contacts and you immediately have like-minded people, yeah. and within a few days you're working together and helping each other out, you're bonding in a, in a, at a rapid pace. And then the next thing you know, you leave and the people that have met at our events, you know, they meet up in their hometowns in the Netherlands or California or do a road trip through Arizona where they meet up in Georgia, the country or India, you know, and and then they have like stories that go on beyond that. You know, they become really lifelong friends. And that's an amazing uh, result of doing stuff like this for sure. Well, I noticed when I went on your website and checked all this out, I thought, 
wow, this is really a reasonable cost as well. Like at first you might think, oh, this is going to be astronomical, but you take care of everything. You can rent a, a one bedroom or a two bedroom apartment or whatever. And what are some of the costs? Like for the 12 day, it's pretty reasonable, isn't it? Yeah, so if you come to the 12 day event and you come without accommodation, you find your own accommodation, it's $497. And then if you want to get accommodation with us, the accommodation lasts actually four weeks, so a month. And you, and the price is thirteen ninety seven for a studio, sixteen ninety seven for one bedroom, and nineteen ninety seven for a two bedroom, and then that includes one ticket to the event too. So really, like if you're spending, uh, I'm sure most people are spending two grand in the states or Canada, at least per month on living expenses, right? And you're spend, you can go there and spend less and have this amazing event, that and amazing. do it in Thailand with other entrepreneurs. And then what about meals? How does uh, that not, work? Yeah, they're not included. But so you, you would go out uh, on, like to get your own meals. You just, because that's the kind of place it is, right? You can just step out and pick up yeah. a meal here and there, right? Yeah, the great place is like where we're staying, there's a restaurant on location. So it's like an open air restaurant that opens uh-huh. to the pool and you can eat breakfast, lunch, or dinner there. And then we're near all the action. We're in a really quiet spot, but it's near all the action to, you know, it's a five, maybe 10 minute walk to, um, to great restaurants that you're completely surrounded uh-huh. by. It sounds yeah. absolutely amazing. Totally paradise, <laughs> like you said. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I want to. I want to just uh, change the direction here and ask you, as a digital nomad, would you consider yourself a minimalist? Yes. Um, yes, for sure. And um, and and I think a better way to term that for me, and I actually just finished this book as an essentialist. I just finished the book Essentialism. Um, at first, you know, it took me two, a couple of years to realize that, okay, I needed to be, to work out my minimalism. Um, but, uh, I, I like the term essentialist better because you really take with you what's absolutely essential. You know, sometimes minimalism can go a bit too far and you're, you're, you're on the path of doing less with more or more with less. And, um, but yeah, I, I would throw myself in under that category. Um, I travel with uh, a carry-on suitcase and a school-sized backpack, and I have like seven t-shirts, um, three long-sleeve shirts, uh, a jacket, two pair of long, two long pair of pants, three pairs of shoes. No, two pairs of shoes, one flip-flops, mm-hmm. uh, swim trunks, and in an exercise outfit, and that's it. And of course, a computer and microphone and headphones. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, Oh, that's great. Well, a lot of people have recommended the book Essentialism to me and I haven't read it yet. So you really enjoyed it then? Yeah, it was um, a phenomenal book. Like it talks about like some of the most important things, easy things that you can do uh, to help you become more aware of like, okay, maybe I'm just spending too much energy in this area of my life or not enough in this area of my life to create that balance and that mindfulness. Sure, sure. Well, I'm going to take another change of direction. I've worked in bullying prevention for quite a while, and I want to ask you about this. Have you a story about bullying, whether you were bullied or whether you have any kind of story either in your childhood or your adult life as a digital nomad that you could share with us where mindfulness would have made a difference? It's a great question. Um, I'll be completely honest here. 
I was bullied as a kid and I bullied as a kid. Um, growing up through that experience, you know, I would definitely was not aware of what I was doing or the effects of what I was doing or how it was really affecting me. Um, me being bullied that part, I think it even affects me to today. Um, and then me doing the bullying doesn't affect me so much, but like the one person in particular, I've actually tried to reach out to, to that person to kind of apologize and make it even. Um, and I think becoming aware through personal development made me really realize how, how, how hurtful that is to children, um, how it really impacts them. Um, I can think of three individuals that bullied me growing up and how I still feel about them today. Um, one of them actually is now a good friend and has been for probably, you know, 15 years or so. But like the earlier days when, when I was being bullied by him, uh, I still think about like that exact moment, like what happened and how hurtful it was. And then also like in retaliation, but in order to fit in like the bully, uh, the bullying on my part was sent off to somebody else. Right. So, um, through personal development, like becoming aware of that, how, how key it was. And I think any, it, it, something that's really important is, is to teach our kids, you know, if we teach them mindfulness and to become aware, and like we were talking about earlier, become aware of how your behavior is affecting others, then that would prevent a lot of that. You know, if we have children that are aware, parents that are aware, to teach your children how to be aware of this type of behavior, it would really, um, really uh, change the world. Yeah, I totally believe that. Are you a meditator? Yeah, for sure. Every morning. Every morning, yeah. Yeah, you seem to have a sense of calm. How long have you meditated for? Oh, geez. I mean, I first started probably like 10 years ago, um, but like practicing every day, I would say two years, maybe two and a half years or so. So what's your meditation look like? Is it totally silent? Do you use a guided approach? It changes because I love learning and so I love learning new techniques. So I did the Miracle Morning um, routine from January until about uh, July this year. And that was an incredible practice. And so uh, when I meditated, I use uh, an app called brain.fm. And it's an amazing app for productivity and for meditation and relaxing and sleep and all this stuff. Highly recommend it. Um, So I would meditate with that. And I think they had like 30 minute um, meditation sounds. And what I do is I would take 30 deep uh, breaths and focus on my breath. And then I would go into like, that would take about 15 minutes. And then I would go into a deep um, meditative uh, visualization and I would visualize my main goals and I would visualize um, the things I wanted to do with throughout the day and throughout the week that happened easily and effortlessly. And then I'd come out of my meditation and uh, go towards my day. Now, this quarter, the, the last three months of the year, I'm doing a, a, a hypnosis. And so I'm, I'm just picking out YouTube videos. And so 
instead of getting in the lotus pose and do meditation, um, I'm going to try something different and, and do like 30 to 40 minute hypnosis every morning before I start my day, every morning, Monday through Friday. And I'm doing a hypnosis on wealth and abundance and then also on um, like um, self-love and um, letting go of insecurities and this sort of thing. Wow, that sounds amazing. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah that <laughs> sounds is, great. Yeah, Chris, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So we'll just whip through these really fast. The first one All is right. this. Who's one person that has influenced your mindfulness in your life? Okay, first, uh, I'm going to say my mother um, because she is, I would say, a high caliber and genuine, classy, honest, amazing human being. And because throughout my whole life, like I didn't want to let her down, I have learned, like I've become more aware of my own actions through that. So she's without a doubt, probably the main, the main one. Oh, that's very cool. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Chris? Oh, I, it helps me manage my emotions for sure. Um, to know when, uh, the low, t like when the low times know that they're just temporary, temporary and how I'm reacting from those emotions and also during the high times know also that those are temporary and that, um, uh, to keep myself in check and not get too arrogant or egotistical, um, to realize that, you know, uh, life is, has highs and lows. Being mindful of that can keep you on like a good wavelength with continually growing and, um, figuring out what's next for sure. So how is breathing part of your mindfulness? Um, breathing, I use breathing when I'm, like I mentioned, when I meditate. Right. Uh, and I think that gets me centered a lot. And then when I, I also realize when my emotions are out of balance, I'm getting more stressed or frustrated or anger comes up. Um, I use breathing to, uh, either let go of that or find like a center grounding. Um, and when I go to sleep, if I'm ever having trouble sleeping, I use breathing exercises to, um, to, to drift off to sleep. And that really helps me find a, you know, a center or focus to where I can focus on the goals and, and working towards my dreams and, and being aware of how I'm treating others at the same time. Very good. Well, you've mentioned the book Essentialism. Do you have any other books that you would recommend related to mindfulness that you've read? Oh yeah, sure. Um, so essentialism was good related specifically to mindfulness. Um, uh, the book that's on your shelf back there, a new earth without a doubt. That was, that was a huge for me. Right. Um, the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, which is an amazing book. I would throw in Think and Grow Rich, you know, and Four Hour Workweek. They have a bit of mindfulness, uh, not so much like on the meditative part, but just um, personal growth part. Um, let's see. Uh, I know I've got a ton more, Bruce. Well, that's okay. That's um, a good start. Yeah, it's a great start. I'll list those in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. So listeners, you can you can go and check that out, Mindful Tribe, and uh, those are all excellent books. And you've already mentioned the app. My next question was going to be about an app. You mentioned the app Brain FM. Any other apps that you want to mention 
Or is that the I, one that you would put here? That's my number one. I use yeah. calm.com yes. also. That's a great one. I really think you're doing amazing things and you're helping <laughs> so many entrepreneurs who love to travel. Tell us how Mindful Tribe can connect with you, learn more about what you do, and maybe someday sign up for one of your events. The best place to go is theentrepreneurhouse.com and you can see whatever events are coming up on the website there. Um, you also have the link to the podcast there. We have the Entrepreneur House podcast as well. Right now we're interviewing 100 seven-figure location independent entrepreneurs. So um, they're completely uh, location independent. A lot of them are traveling the world, bouncing between countries at their pleasure while building a business that generates at least a million dollars in revenue a year and um, living out their dreams. Wow, that's pretty exciting. It's a great <laughs> it's a great podcast too, by the way. Thanks, so, Chris. Chris, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. It's great to talk with you and uh, great to hear about your dreams. So thanks again and uh, have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Bruce. And thank you, listeners. Yeah, awesome. Bye now. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.